Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. Uh, things look a little bit different this week, but I'm Pastor Clay and I'm joined by Eric Stearns. Um, and I ended up going home to my hometown of Gregory, South Dakota for the week um, to celebrate the 4th of July with my family. And uh, we're doing this recording over Zoom tonight. Uh, glad to have Eric with me as we dig into my message from Sunday, which was about the Pixar short Lou and the idea of being directed. And so we're going to be talking about uh, why we picked Lou um, and why uh, we as people struggle with the idea of direction. So let's get into it. Sounds good. So I don't know if this made the podcast last week, but when you were when we were wrapping up last week, you said you didn't want to get into Psalm 23 with this <laughs> message. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So Psalm 23 and I have quite some history. Um, you know, it's just one of those scripture passages that gets talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about, uh, especially as seminarians. And so it comes to a point where you're just like, can I do anything other than Psalm 23? Well, it drew me back to seminary. Um, the last year of seminary, I was in charge of spiritual life at the seminary. I was the I was the campus pastor, um, was my kind of official title. Um, and I had to plan our fall retreat. Um, and I planned our fall retreat. I had Clyde Teal lined up. He's a pastor up in Sioux Falls and a, and a friend of mine from another uh, part of life. Um and uh, it ended up that he, at the last second, had to cancel. And our seminary president, Dr. Hagen, said, I'm going to do my entire day on Psalm 23. Um, just because hmm. it is such a, it's, such a, it's such a popular scripture. Uh, it's one that gets used. I think I use it at every funeral that I do, um, either by family request or by my preference. It's a very well-known text. And so if you're dealing with people that don't have a real strong connection to the church, they at least know more often than not, they at least know Psalm 23. It can become uh, lazy preaching um, to mm -hmm. use use popular texts like that um, more and more and more. Um, but given the nature of what we were talking about, I really felt like there was no other thing that we could use. There was no other passage of scripture that we could use other than Psalm 23. And I love it. And it's a great text of scripture and it worked perfectly for the sermon. But I've, I just kind of always try to find something else that makes the same point but this was just this was just perfect so so what were you looking at what what other texts were your passages were you looking at instead of psalm 23 for this message yeah definitely um at the end of john 21 uh, when peter and jesus have their conversation about peter do you love me yes lord you know i love you yada 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 um and then Jesus says at the end of that, that certain people will take you where you will, will lead you where you do not want to go. Um, and so sometimes when we're being led by God, I mean, John was using that to indicate, you know, the way Peter's going to die. Um, but there are ways that we get led as people of faith that are not where we would choose to go. Um, and But yet we have still have to listen and heed uh, to the direction of God. Um, the other one I was thinking about was, was Gideon, the story of the Old Testament in Gideon, uh, where he is led by God to, you know, raise up an army and then start dismissing people so the army gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it makes no sense whatsoever, but that is the way that God is directing him. And he has to listen. He has to follow that faithfully. Um, and, you know, there, there, there would have been repercussions had he not. Um, and so those are a couple of the other scriptural ideas that I had that, that I ended up just, Psalm 23 ended up working better um, because the way that Lou was leading JJ was leading him in a right path, not for God's name's sake, but leading him in a right path that would change everything for JJ. 
um, and for those around him. And so looking at that, that part of it specifically, and then the, the verse in Psalm 23 that where it talks about God leading us in, 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 in right ways for God's name's sake, just felt, just felt appropriate. How often do you, I mean, was, so was this a struggle to pick the, not really a struggle, but I did have, I did have several ideas in the back of my head. Um, and then this just ended up, you know, through prayer and through discernment and through watching Lou a couple more times, uh, this ended up being the right, the right direction for, mm. for where we ended up on Sunday. Sure. Do you, I guess, do you often, okay. So, cause we, you know, we record this on Tuesday night, so mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, you weren't planning to use Psalm 23, or at least right. you had the thought that you weren't. Yep. How often do you change your mind? Oh, you know, I wouldn't say it happens often. I do like to be planned out enough in advance where if if something does happen, I'm not, you know, scrambling, but um, it does happen sometimes. I'd say it's, it's, I mean, in the last couple of months, it's probably happened more. Um, Just that's, (laughs) and I don't really know why, um, but it just kind of has. Interesting. Just curious. Yep, definitely. Um. So, yeah, so one thing I was thinking about was uh, a lot of your sermon was about struggling with he leads mm-hmm. me, right? Yeah. Yep, definitely. Why do you struggle with that so much? Sure, yeah. Um, I think I struggle with that um, because there are just certain times in my own life, even outside of ministry, where I thought that I could just do about do things by myself. Um, I think it comes to a place of, you know, I've been doing theology work for this amount of time. You know, my undergraduate is in theology and philosophy. I hold an MDiv. Um, you know, I'm, spo- I'm supposed to know everything. Um, and I'm, I'm about to celebrate my 10th year of serving under appointment. Um, and it just kind of feels like I should have things figured out more than I do. And then God completely shakes me, you know, God will completely surprise me like, Hey, as we're having this conversation, you're going to use Psalm 23, whether you want to or not. And I had to listen to the leading of God, even putting together this sermon, um, that that was the right way to go and the right thing to do. And so, um, and I I just think that it's part of the human condition, um, where, and, and, and maybe even some of our social conditioning to think that we are the best and the brightest and the smartest in the room and that we can do things on our own. Um, you know, apart from God, even though that's completely not what God says throughout the entirety of Scripture. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that I think that we as a people struggle with being led. Um, like I was saying a little bit off mic um, after the sermon on Sunday. Like in the, it was as I was as I was shaking hands, several people pulled me aside and said, "You know, I needed to hear that because I struggle with being led too." Um, you know, I think that 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 is a part of just who we are and a part of our human nature. Um, and like I said, it goes even beyond ministry because like I can one of the things I was going to put in the sermon that just ne- didn't necessarily work to be put in the sermon um, was a story about when I was in high school. Uh, we were playing football and we played a 44 stack defense and we played. I was an interior defensive lineman and our linebacker behind us. Um, we were doing a thing called a tap game where, you know, I would I would go one way or the other to depending on what the linebacker, you know, decided to do. And the linebacker that was behind me said, do you want me to tell you where to go? And I said, absolutely not. You're not telling me where to go. You tell me where you want to go. And then I'll do that what I, what I have to do, you know? So you're not, but just that framing of, 
when I tap you on the hip, do you want me to tell you where to go or do you want me to tell you where I'm going? And the idea of being told where to go by an underclassman was just not in my <laughs> not in my capability at that moment. And so sure. it's, it's been a, a long time thing for me um, that I just kind of have to continually, you know, remind myself that God's God and I'm not and that's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely the idea of being led is hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. But really, we've been... I, I attached to your your taught your uh, what you said about social conditioning. We've been taught since we were kids to do things on our own. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, um, yep. when you're like we're farm kids, when mm-hmm. when a fence is broken and dad just sends us and says go fix it, and yep. doesn't really tell us what to do or anything yeah. like that. Yep, you know, so we're we're always at least for us, we've always been conditioned to just do Mm -hmm. things on our own. I look at our, you know, our kids now, we want them to be independent kids and not Mm -hmm. have to rely on others to, to get them where they need to go. Well, we don't want, we don't necessarily want them to have to rely on people, but there's a difference. There's a difference there between relying on other people and relying on God. Yeah. Although you almost want them to be, willing to rely on others because then you can get more accomplished too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about there too was, you know, like with our kids, I thought about this a lot, you know, we'll say, Hey, go clean up the room. And then we're off to, you know, just standing around and not doing anything. And they say, Hey, no, go clean up the room. And then we just continue to stand there. Mm-hmm. Well, they're just doing what we do. So really, right. we are we're leading them. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, to even, stand around. Yep. Even or if to we, just sit there, they are or not. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. I also thought I had a thought as you were talking too about why I struggle with being a leader is because I've always been in positions of leadership. Like yeah, you know, like in high school band, I was a section leader, and like I could not be a drum major in their band because I was, you know, the leader of our percussion section, and like you know, I was a section leader in choir at college, and you know, just leadership positions have always been where I'm at, and so mm-hmm. the idea, you know, who leads the leaders, you know, right. um, yeah, you know, and that's why being led is hard because you know maybe in the back of my head of you know. I'm used to being in those leadership positions. I I think that I know the way that things should go, you know, and mm-hmm. that's not always true. I 100% would agree with you. Mm-hmm. And we have a very similar experience there. What do we do with that? Neither one of us are good at being led, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. How, how do we get better at that? Yeah. What do we do to rely on God to actually just, you know, what, what do we do to just sit and listen? I struggle with that of just trying to understand what God's trying to tell me without just interjecting what Mm. I think needs to be done. Mm -hmm. How do we get better at that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, the, it kind of reminds me like, you know, when, when you talk about praying for patience, God's going to give you opportunities to be patient. Um, You know, if we're looking for opportunities to learn how to be led, I think God's going to give those to us too and be careful what we pray for. Cause we might just get it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm, I, I've just re I've just reentered a position of leadership in our conference and I am not a chair. I am solidly called in this position to be a worker. I'm going to have to be led 
by dear, dear friends of mine, which can be really, really hard. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I think that I'm being, right now I'm being given an opportunity to learn how to follow um, in, in different ways. So and I just think that there's a, a level where we just have to embrace that and we just have to say, okay, God, I don't know. And that's okay, but you do and awesome. So, you know, it's just yielding more and more of our lives to God's command and God's control, which can feel like chaos, but yet God's up to something ultimately. Mm -hmm. I think that this, this new opportunity through the conference I'm being given is a time for me to be led. And like I said in the sermon on Sunday, who better to lead us than the one who will never leave us, than a God who has promised throughout the entirety of the word to never leave us. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that line from the message. That was good. Mm -hmm. It's really stuck with me since good. Sunday. I'm so. glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways I mentioned being led in the sermon on Sunday was through the Episcopal letter from Bishop O. Um, you know, I've now served under, this is my third bishop that I've served under in 10 years. Um, I was appointed uh, to Brookings under Bishop Deb Kesey, um, and then uh, commissioned and then appointed to Brookings full-time by Bishop O, and appointed to Burke Herrick by Bishop O, and appointed to Canton by Bishop O. And so I've received Episcopal letters uh, from Bishop O on three different occasions now, uh, one in Brookings, one at Burke Herrick, and then one when I arrived in Canton. And I mentioned on Sunday that the first time I got an Episcopal letter, it felt like being led and I was not necessarily okay with it because of who I am as a person. And then, then Rich Zach had to pull me aside and say, hey, this is just a thing that happens and you need to be okay with it because Bishop's not yelling at you. Bishop is saying, hey, here's what I want you to do and accomplish. This is kind of some of the rationale behind why you've been appointed here and how we expect you as a pastor to grow in XYZ skills. Sure. Um, and so the, the one that I mentioned in, in, Bur in, in uh, Brookings, uh, definitely like the, it was very much a, like I said on Sunday, it was basically learn how to be a pastor um, without mm -hmm. the things that, because the, there are just certain things that you can't learn in a, in a classroom. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you've learned that in your profession as well. Like there is a reason why we go to school and hold degrees and that kind of stuff, but there are just certain on the ground education things that just do not, do not translate to a classroom setting. So uh, one of the couple of the things that Bishop O wrote to me in that letter, and the one that like, made the made me the most uncomfortable, uh, was learn how to do a stewardship campaign. Um, you know, that's going to be an, a, a big deal for you in churches going forward, and that's just something that you don't get exposed to in seminary very well. And so Bishop O writes in a lot of Episcopal letters, "Hey, learn how to do this, learn how to do this well, and don't be afraid of it," um, because. That was one of the one of the topics that you just are not that a lot of pastors aren't comfortable talking about is financial stewardship, and so being directed by Bishop O to lead a stewardship campaign in my first appointment as associate was a little bit hard. But my senior pastor knew that was in my letter and and knew that that was important not only to Bishop O but to me going forward as a pastor. And so he looked at me probably in April of my and he said, "Look, we're going to do a stewardship series in the fall, and you are one one hundred percent in charge. Um, this has been this has been placed on your you know this has been placed on your plate. 
I know you're not comfortable, but you are going to do this from tops to bottom. You're going to pick it. You're going to lead it. You're going to staff it out. You're going to do everything connected to it. And it has set me up so well going forward that like when I went to like, I was doing some sermon planning, some out, some out, some long-term planning, I could look at a chunk of our calendar at the Canton church and say, look, these are the weeks that we're going to do stewardship. I'm going to find a curriculum for us to go through. I'm going to find a program, find a Bible study, find, you know, themes for a sermon series, and we're going to go for it. And I have no qualms doing that now because mm-hmm. I was willing to be led a while a while back. Sure. Yeah. So are all the so the I take it all the the letters are different church to church. Pretty much, yeah. Um, there are some things that stay consistent. Um, you know, the, there there are definitely some things that are very much copy and paste of you know, I'm the bishop and I, with the authority of God, I'm sending you to X Y Z church to you know to to plant down roots and grow and prosper there and to you know, do the work of ministry as you've been called and ordained. Um, and then it goes into some specific things about the church and some s- specific things that the bishop has noticed in my set of gifts and graces and why this church and this set of gifts match so well that the appointment was made. And then as with your time together, we expect you to dot, dot, dot. The can't let her say. Um, the, the Canton letter continue, uh, basically just said to continue the growth and progress that has been happening over the last 20 years, um, you know, in, in community outreach, um, yep, and just to continue to work um, to, to inspire lay, you know, we have this heritage of, of raising up pastors, um, and we have this, uh, and, and inspiring people to enter into ministry in some way, and so to, to, to really emphasize uh, building on that as a part of our heritage and not necessarily a part of our past, but a part of our future. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yep. So do you, now that you've had three of those letters, do you find those to be more of a, a positive challenge instead of, Absolutely. of uh, negative? Definitely. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Like it really did take Rich Zach pulling me aside and saying, Hey, do you want to see my letter? Do you want to see what the Bishop wrote? Like, this is not a thing to be afraid of. This is not a thing to be frustrated by. This is just a reality of your job because the bishop's job is to direct pastors. A bishop's job is to look out for the church and make sure that the pastors know what in the world that they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, and like, and the, the one that I got from uh, Brookings to Burke was pretty um, was pretty profound for me. So. I've, I've made allusions to the fact that ministry in Brookings wasn't necessarily the best thing in my in the wasn't necessarily the best thing I've ever went through in life. Um, and one of the things that stuck with me for my Episcopal letter um, was to fall back in love with ministry. Um, and mm-hmm. I really feel like that in the five years I spent at Burke Herrick, I absolutely did do that, and that I'm a better pastor for the Canton Church now um, because I had that ringing in the back of my head the entire time of my last five years. So back to Lou a little bit. Yeah. Um, so for half the short, Lou is wrestling with JJ, right? Mm-hmm. You ever felt like you were just wrestling with God? <laughs> you knew what he wanted you to do and yep. And uh, you just didn't feel like doing it? Yep. Like have you ever have you ever been able to, have you been able to put yourself and is there a story that you can share where you put yourself in JJ's shoes, I guess? Sure, yeah, definitely. Um when I was first feeling led um to transfer schools from Northern to USF, like mm. that was a very watershed moment. Like when I started feeling called to be a pastor, you know, that the idea was that I would have music education in my background so that I had a backup plan and really transferring schools. 
like there's no backup plan with that. Cause like, what do you do with a degree in theology and philosophy? Um, You know, a lot of my friends have gone back and gotten other degrees uh, to become Mm -hmm. teachers or, you know, they've taken secular jobs outside of the church, but yet they had, you know, they just had, they ended up having this undergraduate, Uh, you know, a lot of my friends took that and went to grad school in other areas, um, you know, but for me, that was, you know, (laughs) that was it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and so I wrestled with, I wrestled with that for a long time, um, because there was, you know, blowing my life up and to do something entirely different. Um, but yet there was, so there was this moment in an alfalfa field, um, you know, where I was just, I was just mad and I was yelling and I was, you know, at, at God, um, you know, and it was just kind of through prayer. And I said, look, if this is how you want this to go, give me the end of the field facing the pickup like it's the dumbest thing in the world i absolutely know that and I absolutely name that but give me the end of the field facing the pickup so i can just go to the pickup and go home and mm-hmm. the alfalfa field worked out that way and i was like okay this is the dumbest thing in the world but yet this is what we're gonna do we're gonna change schools we're gonna get a degree degree in theology and like there were other things along the way um but that was really like this very crystallizing moment that this is really what God wanted. Um, and just kind of, it was, it was enough for me to stop wrestling and to make the, and, and to make the decisions that I made to go to USF, do a degree in theology, philosophy, go to Sioux Falls, Sam, get my MDiv and, and head in this direction. And it was the best possible thing for me. So. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Eric? I mean, you've obviously chosen to be very involved in the church. Um, you know, you've you've stepped up to the plate to preach. You've taken on leadership positions. Like, what has that been like for you? And has there ever been a time where you're just like, um, I just want to show up on Sunday and just like call it good? Because yeah, that's a really good debt. Yes, yeah, I do. I mean, there are times when I just want to show up and not do anything or or perfect example of that when when you asked us to help with communion on sunday and then we realized when we got there that there was no one to sit with our kids oh yeah for god and i'm like oh crap but it worked out just fine and that's how i feel like with anything that i'm you know that i'm called to do in the church it's stressful because i'm like man that adds a lot more to my plate and i have you know writing a sermon or or getting ready to sing in church or whatever that might be that i'm you know been asked to do or called to do or whatever it adds and it, you know, it makes my night evenings longer or have to do that. You know, if every time you say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. And so right. you have to, to, to adjust your priorities. Um, but in the end, I'm so happy that I did it. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 what I adjusted my priorities to impacted way more people than what I would have done with my time. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and so, yeah, it, every time it's like, gal, I don't really want to do this, but I know I have to. And mm-hmm. I'm, in the end, I'm glad I did. Yep. All right. So what's next week? Yeah. Oh. So next week's a very fun uh, week in the life of the church. We are actually taking our show on the road on Sunday. Uh, we are having church at Lake Ponset. Uh, it's a camp that's very near and dear to both of our hearts um, and also mm-hmm. dear to our church, which is awesome. Uh, they have a chapel there that has a service every Sunday from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh, um, and so we are going to go to Ponset for church on Sunday. Um, uh, church will be at nine o'clock rather than 10 o'clock. It'll be live streamed to our uh, Facebook page. Um, and we're going to be focusing on the movie Field of Dreams. The movie theme is location. And so I was looking looking for a movie that was like 
tied to its location. Um, and I think that there's no better movie for that than Field of Dreams. Um, that that mm-hmm. also sends a pretty powerful message, um, you know, too. So we're going to be looking scripturally, we're going to be looking at the conversion of Saul, um, because both in the, in that story, both Saul and Ananias hear the voice of Jesus, um, you know, telling them to do something kind of crazy. I think that there's no better story than Ray Kinsella's story um, to tell because he is also one that hears a voice and like talks to his friends and neighbors about hearing voices and his friends and neighbors are like, huh, not real sure about this new guy. Um, and mm-hmm. yet it's being, he's being told to, you know, if, if you build it, he will come. Um, and talking about, you know, building this baseball field and, you know, ghost baseball players from out of nowhere come. And it's just awesome. It's an awesome, awesome movie that I like, like, like a whole lot. Um, but I just think that it points to our reality. Um, again, tying back into Sunday about being led, sometimes we hear the voice of God telling us to do crazy stuff where mm-hmm. we don't necessarily feel safe. Um, like, because I think more of, I, of Ananias in that story, like Paul is on the road to Damascus. He is going to Damascus to persecute the church there. And someone from Damascus is called to go and lay hands on Saul to get close enough to touch this person. And it's the voice of God telling him to go in to do that. And that's super hard for us to think about doing. You know, sometimes we hear the voice of God telling us to do things be a pastor, (laughs) do things around the church. Like we hear the voice of God telling us to do things that are really hard and seem kind of crazy, but yet through them, God works and through them, God's glorified. And so um, looking, we're going to be looking at the idea of how is it that we open ourselves to listen? Um, You know, and there there are certain locations that lend themselves to listening more than others. Um, Like Ponset Camp, by the way. Um, (laughs) And then just using that to focus in and and really dig in on this story of not only Saul, which is very, very important, but also Ananias, who is almost as important, Um, you know, because without Ananias, the entire rest of Paul's ministry doesn't happen. You know, Saul doesn't become Paul without Ananias. Mm -hmm. So we'll be looking at the importance of his role in the story and the importance of the voice um, that that calls to, uh, to, to, to them and to us. So that's good. we're going to be digging in for. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I'm, yeah, me I'm too. excited. This will be my third trip to Ponce in the last two weeks. So Woo. it sounds great. <laughs> good deal. Right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Comfort Time podcast. Join us again next week online or at Lake Ponce. Please join us at Lake Ponce at 9 a.m., not 10 a.m. Uh, and then for our podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.